Welcome to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. How are you going today? Yes, it is busy. It's a busy time for me. Tell us why. Tell us why. Well, at uni, it's like the the heavy end of semester. So we have assignments. We have things. Is there ever a light end of a semester of uni? Well. It's the heavy point, shall we say that? Like, there's definitely the the light end is usually when there's like one exam left. That's definitely the light end. Or maybe, or maybe the day before they give you your syllabus. <laughs> that <laughs> might be the light day. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so it's getting to the heavy end of the semester. Yes. And so this is now, if I understand correctly, this is your last semester of your degree. Yes. If I pass all the things, this will be the last semester. Um, You'll get there. God will bless my you. Second degree, Put in your Robbie. best effort. Your second degree. Oh, I knew that. I yeah, knew that. But so you just, now our now our listeners know that as well. Absolutely. I just feel like I'm a sucker for punishment, really. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> How about you? How are you today? What has been happening this week? Oh, man, this week's been really busy. I've been doing lots of ministry things this week. For those mm-hmm. of you that don't know, I'm, I'm working as a church planter, uh, which means that we've started church recently in the last two years, and uh, it's quite busy, Yes, as you, as you might imagine. Yes. Um, and I'm trying to do some study and newly married this year. Yeah, woo! There's a lot of things to, to work out. But this week, I got something exciting because, you know, you need to get out in nature. Yes. You need to get out and you get exercise. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that on the show before, the importance yeah. of health and the importance of that to your, your mental health, physical health, social health, spiritual health, emotional. Did I cover them all? I don't know. But anyway, I went for a surf this morning and it was so lovely. But one of the things that happened this morning was I, I, got, I got pitched off a wave uh-huh. and then... You just kind of jump into the whitewash and you get tumbled around normally and then you come back up and you're fine. Man, I got scorpioned backwards and I hit the sand and then the wave kept pushing me and my legs were over my head the wrong way. And I got up and I was like, oh man, should I keep going back out? (laughs) This was the first wave of the day, by the way. And I thought, you know what? We're going to go back out. Yeah. And it was great. I had a great surf. That's good. The moral of the story is sometimes, sometimes you need to just get back up, get on the horse and you might catch a great wave. Absolutely. If you take that to another portion of life, it might just work out to be one of the best days of your life. You never know. Yeah, definitely. Risk is worth... So, uh, that, that was not Those who risk win. That's what I was going to say. Those who risk win. Sometimes. Sometimes. Or <laughs> <That's> die. That's true. <laughs> anyway, no, so life is going good. Good. And uh, we hope that you guys are enjoying this beautiful, hot, summery day. Yes. It's a beautiful, hot spring day. But today, speaking of today, we are going to be getting into our final study of Samuel and more, really more about Saul today. Yeah. And we're going to finish off the story of Saul so we can start our new series on David starting next week. So we're super excited about that. We've got our good friend Carl Lindsay coming in and he's going to share a story about a podcast that he's been starting and we're going to hear all of that stuff going on. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure that you hang around. If you're still driving home, you might want to just stay a little longer in the car. This is The Remnant Walking in Jerusalem. Just 
crippling, some come lame. Walking in Jerusalem just like John. Some come talking in Jesus' name. Walking in Jerusalem just like John. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Walking in Jerusalem just like John. Yeah, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Walking in Jerusalem just like John. Walking in Jerusalem just like John Tell all my friends that I'm a-coming too Walking in Jerusalem just like John I want to be ready I want to be ready I want to be ready Walking in Jerusalem just like John Yeah, I want to be ready I want to be ready I want to be ready Walking in Jerusalem just like John But he'll carry your load upon his shoulders Walking in Jerusalem just like John I'll meet you there at the first crossover Walking in Jerusalem just like John Well, I want to be ready I want to be ready I want to be ready Walking in Jerusalem just like John Yeah, I want to be ready I want to be ready I want to be ready Walking in Jerusalem just like John Yeah, I want to be ready Walk in Jerusalem just like John. Yeah, I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be ready, Lord. To walk in Jerusalem just like old John. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. Yes. And uh, today, before we get into our Weird and Wonderful World segment, we just wanted to let you know that for our first question of the week caller in today, there will be a free giveaway prize. And the prize today is a DVD, a digital video disc. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I didn't even it know It did that stand was. for something. That's amazing. But we've got a DVD called Tell the World, uh-huh. and it's a... Well, it's it's a historical drama, I guess, of the beginnings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Yeah. Um, super interesting, great film. So it's called Tell the World. So if you'd like to get into that, you need to be our first caller in today for Woo! Question of the Week, and you can do so by sending in any question you've got about the Bible or God, etc. And you can do that at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text in at 491 
064-669. That's 0491-064-669. And you can also hit us up on our Faith FM Facebook page. Yes. So it's come that time of the day for what a weird and wonderful world that we live in. So what do you have for us today, Beck? Yes. Well, just just before that, there's something that I wanted to ask earlier. And this is just for me. So what a weird and wonderful fact that I want to know about Robbie. Um, I don't know if anyone else wants to know this. <laughs> maybe they, they, they wouldn't because they wouldn't see what I see. But I just had a question. And this is can be any of the above. But you said outside it's a very hot day today, quite a warm, toasty day where uh-huh. we are. And today you are wearing a beanie. Now, I just wanted to know, is it... <laughs> it's the second time I've gotten asked that today. It, no, no, because I wear things, is it the general vibe that it gets you? Is I've it been, because you are you know, had bad hair? Or is it because you just, you love it? What's the thought? Look, Beck, I've never had a bad hair day. Uh, no, <laughs> I think, no, no, the, I've been wearing a beanie pretty consistently most days since I was about 16 years old. Okay. I'm 32 now, so uh-huh. but basically half my life I've worn a beanie and yeah. I just I don't know, I like the way it feels. It's awesome. kind of like I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a secret. Yeah. You and all the thousands of people listening. <laughs> I kind of have it because it's like a comfort blanket. You yes. know Linus from the Peanuts and he had his blanket and he would hold his blanket it would make him confident yes. that's what my beanie is for me excellent it makes me feel warm and cozy excellent. and safe I love it so if it's you like see me wearing it up the front somewhere it's probably because I'm a little nervous and it makes me feel good <laughs> so there you awesome. go there's a fun fact about Robbie <laughs> hopefully no one uh, will uh, you know chastise me for that later <laughs> on or steal my beanie that would be a sin <laughs> <laughs> So funny. No, I just wanted anyway. to know. Very good. All right. What Thank else do you, you have for sharing. us that's not so, about Robbie? Something else what's... that's interesting about the world. <laughs> Something else is interesting. <laughs> I'm sharing today. We haven't done animals for a while. And I thought, you know what? I've had a few weeks off of animals. I'm going to do a weird and wonderful fact about an animal today. So we're looking at bats because this is something I didn't know a lot about. Bats. So did you know there's over 1,400 species of bats worldwide? Wow, that's a, that's a lot. Yes. Do you know the one that's in California? There's only one in California? Well, the one that I saw in California. The vampire bat. No, leaf nose bats. Oh, the leaf one with the, the pug bats nose. with big ears as well. They have a pug nose and, they're, yeah. and their nose comes up to a vertical point mm-hmm. on the apex of the top of their nose. Very good. So, this is something I didn't know about bats. Without bats, we would have to say goodbye, pretty much, to bananas, avocados, and mangoes. Are you kidding me? Bats are the best thing in the world, then, because because avocados are amazing. Yes. Over 300 species of fruit depend on bats for pollination. Really? Not bees. Including nuts, figs, cacao for chocolate. Literally, you can thank (laughs) bats for chocolate. Yeah, every every woman in the world just said... (laughs) We need bats. All those women who hated bats growing up, who had phobias, have just decided they're different. Yeah. That was a little sexist. I didn't know that. This is amazing. So they're really important for us as humans. Um, Did you know how fast they can fly? They're they're small, but they're pretty fast little creatures. They can fly up to 160 kilometers per hour. 160? Yeah. That's That's crazy. That's incredible. Also, do you know- That must be on on a down- uh, not downhill, downward, but maybe, downward. Maybe. A downward yeah, swoop. Possibly. Dive, dive. <laughs> but do you know what? Something I learned about them as well is that when they fly out of a cave, they always turn left. Always left? They always turn left. That's it. So well, you, uh, you know, that probably makes a bit of sense because it yes. would, it's, it's like it, you know, it's like when you're merging on the freeway. 
you need to merge in from a certain direction. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't want to merge in from the wrong side. I mean, they're not structured that way, yeah. but you get the idea. Interesting. Flight traffic matters. Yeah, yeah. If they all come out and go left, that means they probably all go in on the other side. Yes. That's Very smart. interesting. Something, <laughs> something else that we know about bats is that they eat a lot of bugs and they're actually really good for farmers because they protect crops. They eat their body weight in bugs every night. Every day. Yeah. Pretty That's crazy. Solid. They must have a pretty fast metabolism. Probably. Fast metabolism and they always turn left. It's amazing. They're like, they're like male models anyway. <laughs> so something I wanted to finish on today is that with their echolocation, they can get a sense of direction and things like that. And actually they're finding that in the medical world, they're doing research into echolocation for people who are blind. And so wow. they're finding things about that um, from bats. And I thought that was a really cool thing just to see how nature and things interact together. And so, yeah, just something to learn today is that bats are important, nature is important, but the way it integrates together is a really cool thing. So we have an amazing world. That's awesome. Isn't it amazing that God God didn't invent anything for no reason? Mm-hmm. Everything's got its place to play, its role to play, I should say, and its place in the world. That's awesome. This is Gavin Chatelier. You know what I need.
Welcome back to Real Faith. You're listening to Faith FM with Robbie and Beck, Woo. and we just want to welcome our friend Carl Lindsay in. It's good to have you here, Carl. Hello, hello. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, and thank you for accepting a last minute invitation too. <laughs> yeah, you're a champion. That works. Like how um, we ha- we like to roll just off the cuff sometimes, like that. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> There's not a lot of planning in here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, Carl. Where are you from? What do you do with yourself? Yeah, I'm from the Central Coast, Newcastle area on, in New South Wales. and But that's the original. I guess I'm actually trying to emigrate to the United States. That's right. Now, you and I have known each other actually for quite a number of years, probably about 11 years. Yeah, I think so. about that. Since yeah. we went to university together. And the you know, what took you to the States in the first place? I went over there to go to a, a Bible college, which was a really big blessing in my life, mm. uh, and then ended up staying. So opportunities opened up, and I stayed. And then the visa renewal process this year has taken longer, like everything else has taken longer. <laughs> yeah, this year. That's so right. True. COVID's had a bit of an interesting impact on the world. Yeah. It has. It has. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's so good to hear from you on that. It's so great that we've got you here in the studio. And we'd just like to start off with a question. And that question is basically... What's God been teaching you lately in your life? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I just was thinking earlier in this year about April, it really hit me that I needed to be with COVID and me in this waiting period uh, for the visa to come through. I was in this process of realizing that I needed something to pour myself into. I had personal projects on my to-do list, but they weren't being fulfilling. I wanted Mm -hmm. something that was pouring into others. And this idea of pouring uh, has been something that's in my life uh, quite often recently. Uh, this idea that God wants to pour into us, and then we pour into others. Boom! And oh, that's so a that's, great that's point. this like this overflow idea, and so yeah. that's just been what I've been learning in the, in the uh, in my devotional time, and it just hit me this year. So I've just been starting to think about that a lot more seriously. That's very cool. So God's filling into you. You're then pouring out into other people for their benefit, for their blessing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is what the Christian walk really is. Yeah. Isn't yeah. it? If you were to put it in a word. I mean, uh, another way to put it is abundance. Yeah. In John chapter 10, verse 10, mm-hmm. Jesus promised us that he came that we would have abundant life. Yeah. But I don't, I struggle when I look around, like how many people would you say are living that abundant life uh, that you really think they should be living? You yeah. Know? And what does, what to you, what does abundant mean? I, I, that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways you could go with that. I think of overflow. I think of being fully alive um, in who you are made to be in your personality and in uh, in your in the way you interact with others. It's a healthy, another way to put it, maybe mm-hmm. a healthy life where it's not just physically healthy, but you're emotionally healthy, and people you have that special. Uh, connection with others even if you're an introvert people know they can tell that you're just living a life that is full yeah awesome that's very cool man 
And so with this realization that you've been having through your, what you would call devotional time, reading in scripture, you're connecting mm-hmm. with Jesus on your own personal time, you're getting this idea. So what's, what's this leading to? Yeah, well, I ended up starting a podcast, uh, which was really a fun project to kind of pour my time into and helping other people live that abundant life, helping other people uh, learn the things they need to, to learn, to think deeper with their walk with Jesus, learn to uh, grow and in a spiritual direction, not just grow emotionally, but doing personal growth in a spiritual direction. That's awesome, man. So how long have you been doing this podcast? We are uh, 10 episodes in. Um, so we started nice. in July. And yeah. we had yeah, been going for a few couple months now. And yeah, it's been, it's been a fun project. Right now we're in a season called Broken Love and Redeeming Grace. So we're interviewing, uh, we're interviewing a therapist for four episodes. And then we'll be diving in in a couple of weeks into talking with a friend of mine who's a theologian of sorts, um, and he's a, a minister that he preaches a lot on on freedom and grace. And mm-hmm. so it's been a really good conversation that we've had so far and just really a big blessing. Yeah, so tackling some heavy topics there as well. Yeah, I mean, we had one on trauma just, just last week that, that dropped. So yeah. pe- people don't realize how trauma really affects us. It's not just car accidents. It's mm. There's other... Uh, there's other incidences and events in our life that can have traumatic effects. Yeah. Awesome, man. And so how long are these these podcasts going for? They're 30, 40 minutes. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once a week on Mondays, we drop. We drop awesome. So every Monday you get you drop a new episode. Yep. Dude, that must be a lot of work. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad I'm not full-time employed right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Sometimes, the, the, sometimes there's blessings in all of the different circumstances that we find ourselves in. There's an yeah. opportunity to produce something. Absolutely. That's really cool, which yeah. is kind of the idea of what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's cool. So you've got uh, – so this – tell me oh, – I'm just looking at the time, sorry, and thinking too many things. So first of all, before I forget – What's the name of the podcast? It's called The Overflow Podcast. The Overflow Podcast. Now, yeah. if anybody wants to check out The Overflow Podcast, where do they find it? On your favorite podcasting app. Um, my name is Carl Lindsay. My co-host is Philip Miller-Savlovich. So if it's paired with those names, that's us. Or you can go to our website, choosetooverflow.com. Very cool. My last question for you would be, how has this impacted being involved in this project, how is this impacting your own spiritual journey? Uh, it's, it's been a blessing to go on those conversations and just learn from them. Uh, and that way I can put it into my own life. And I, I really am living a more overflowing life myself as well. That's awesome. That's such a great blessing. This is Caleb and Kelsey, 10,000 Reasons. What a beautiful name. The sun comes up. It's a new
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck and our good friend Carl Lindsay. And uh, all right, so let's continue on with what we were talking about. So, so Carl, you've started a podcast. It's called Overflow. It's talking about essentially how to how do we live an abundant life where God is filling us up and we're overflowing yep. from that to give to others to live the best life that we can live. Um, now, Beck had a question for you. Yeah, I was yeah. just wondering, Carl. So, what's coming up next in what you guys are looking at? What will people be getting if they if they like jump onto your podcast and have a listen? Yeah, good question. Uh, as I said before, our current season, "Broken Love and Redeeming Grace." So, we've been talking with a, a therapist for four episodes. We're partway through. We've talked about loneliness and trauma. Codependency is coming up. So, relationships and conflict, all these kind of things where we think that we know what's going on in our in our lives or maybe we're just dealing with a, an average life, um, but really this perfect love that God offers us is is broken. Mm-hmm. In, and so we're looking at how we can have a healthy healthier life. And then we're moving into a conversation, four conversations with uh, a pastor friend of mine who is going to be sharing on redeeming grace. So mm-hmm. we'll be looking at vulnerability and freedom from sin and forgiveness. Forgiveness is a huge one. Forgiveness is... Something that I that hit me a while ago. I'll touch on that in a moment, and then finishing that season with identity, our identity in Christ, and that's that's going to be a big one as well. Just I think that gives so much freedom for people. That's awesome, man. Mm. You know, those topics are whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. Those are topics that are relevant, exactly. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes for those of us who are Christians, might think, well, that's you know, you don't have to talk about those things. But the reality is. You do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's there's no area of life that God's that like that's off the table to talk about with Jesus. So yeah. that's pretty awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's uh, the overflow is like okay, our Christian life isn't just something we do on the weekends, Boom. and then oh. everything else happens in the week. Yeah, it's it overflows into everything. Yeah, this, that's right. This idea of overflow, as we've been going through the last few months, I've realized that it really applies to every part of our life. Awesome. That's awesome, man. Yeah. And just in closing, is there anything that you'd like to say to our listeners before we finish? Yeah, well, I guess I was just thinking of this idea of forgiveness. For me, uh, going back a number of years, I guess I was holding a grudge, and I'd been holding it for years and years. And 
what I realize is that for me to forgive this person, I don't have the power in and of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, that power comes from God. Every good and perfect gift is from God. And so the gift of forgiveness, the gift of uh, grace, the gift of love, all these things come into us and then we are allowed to overflow them. Uh, we are able to, we're a conduit, we're, we're just passing that on. And so if you've got people in your life where you've got, uh, where you're holding grudges or people have done something wrong to you, then God's the only one that can give you power to kind of move on and be able to forgive them. And yeah, I think that's a really important step to take. Amen. Yeah, totally, man. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Carl. It's been a blessing to hear from you. And for all you listeners out there, if those things centered up your alley, check it out. The Overflow Podcast. You can find it on any podcasting uh, platform, whether that be... Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, yep. Awesome. And then we've got, yeah, the website is choosetooverflow.com. Choosetooverflow.com. So check that out. May God bless you. And um, yeah, go far. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Awesome. So welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You are listening to Faith FM. And just before we get into our Bible study portion, and uh, well, actually two things before we get into our Bible study portion. Dude, I love when we have um, people come in here who are not, not necessarily from an, like, like a full-time employed ministry role in the, in, the, in the common sense of being a pastor. Mm -hmm. But here's somebody who just wants to do ministry and wants to share what God's shown them. And so if that's you out there, I just want to encourage you. You don't have to be you know, a church pastor or something of that nature to be able to be used by God. Absolutely. If God gives you, gives you something, puts it on your heart, use it. Yeah. Because we're all called as Christians. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to be a minister of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you do that in whatever capacity you do that. You do it in your own skin. So that's awesome, man. God does big things through all of the people who are willing to work. I just love it. And uh, we just have something else to say yeah. and that is and our, our producers just stepped out so I actually haven't gotten the name but somebody we'll, we'll announce that later somebody has already called in with a great question of the week and is going to be receiving a Tell the World DVD so don't be despairing though because there is one more <laughs> we found out we actually have a second DVD to give and so if you would like to send in a question of the week and be in the running to grab that other Tell the World DVD, which goes through some history of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, which is fascinating stuff, you can send in your Bible questions to 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. And you can call in that number or text at 0491-064-669. That's 491 064-669 or you can hit us up on our Facebook page for Faith FM Australia. So we're going to jump right into our Bible study mm -hmm. now and before we do that I'd just like to invite Beck to pray for us before we study. Yeah. Father God, uh, we want to thank you for the day. We want to thank you for the opportunity to spend time together and read your word. Lord, there's many people out here listening and I just ask that you be with them wherever they are, whatever they're doing, if they're driving, if they're sitting somewhere. I just ask that you reveal yourself to them and they know that you're with them. But Lord, we pray for your Holy Spirit now as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start off with 1 Samuel chapter 13. So if you have a Bible in front of you, I mean, don't do that if you're driving, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe just listen and then go back and read it later. But um, we're going to be starting in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And just for a bit of a recap before we get into that, last 
episode, we were talking about the inauguration of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, Samuel, who was the prophet and the judge of Israel prior to this time, and well, really, he was still the prophet at this time, inaugurated Saul as he was led by God. Saul was chosen, and Saul won a great victory for God's people and protected them from enemies, and it was a great story. He was inaugurated and set up as the king, and that leads us to this story. Yeah. And so we're actually going to be finding out a little bit about Saul's quick demise. Yeah. Very, (laughs) Um, very quick. And what happened with the first king of Israel. And it's quite interesting. So without any further ado, at Saul's coronation, Samuel had told the people, hey, this is going to be the king. These are the things that are going to happen. He's the the person who's going to be leading you, et cetera, et cetera. And he said to the people, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. And I want you to keep that in mind because that's going to become very important, not only for our observation of Saul and his leadership, but as we transition into the second king of Israel next week, when King David is inaugurated as the king, and we look at this anointing, that this issue of the heart yeah. becomes a crucial part of the story. Yes. So keep that in mind um, as we go along through this story and through the next five weeks as we study through a little bit of David's life as well. All right, so Beck, let's start with 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we'll get you to read from verse 1. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba. And the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines, and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. All right, so what's going on in the story so far? Yeah, there's a battle coming, basically. Um, and so Saul has a group of people. His son, Jonathan, has a group of the men as well, um, ready to fight in battle. And he's calling the people to arms, basically. That's exactly right. And I, I mean, one thing to Saul's credit right away is that Saul's not hiding away at a castle somewhere and sending out his people to go fight these battles to you know, protect them against these enemy attacks. Like the Philistines are... They're bombarding them. They're coming in and they're raiding. They're doing all sorts of terrible things, right? And they've got to go and defend their their people. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I love that's going on right here at the beginning here is that Saul is not afraid to be at the battle, putting himself on the line for the people. Yeah. And this is to Saul's credit. Um, when you're a leader, you need to be willing to be the, the person who's there first, mm-hmm. the person who's there last, the person who's going to put their neck out and be willing to go on the chopping block to protect their people. And I think that this is this is a good thing that's going on here so far. Yeah, definitely. All right, so are we ready to keep reading? Yes. All right, so let's continue on from verse 5. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. 
As for Saul, all right, he- pause there for just a quick sec. How many people were gathered from the Philistine army? Thousands. What? Uh, yeah, it was thousands. Do you want to read reread verse five for us? The whole of verse five. Well, well, it says there was thirty thousand chariots and six thousand horsemen. Thirty thousand <laughs> chariots. Yeah. And how many horsemen? Six thousand. Six thousand. So how many people is that? I don't know how many are on chariot. That's but at a least great observation. Thirty-six, maybe sixty-six. If there's two on a chariot, it could be more. This is a big army. Now, yeah. at the beginning of this, it said that Saul had a certain number of soldiers with him. Yeah, he had three thousand men. Okay, now think about that for a moment, right? This is not exactly. <laughs> The odds don't look good. Let's yeah, put it that way, right? The odds do not match up, do they? Okay. Now, when you read that, the response of the Israelites, it makes a lot of sense, right? You got 3,000 people. Saul's like doing his thing. Mm-hmm. This is good. His army's fighting some battles. And then all of a sudden, 10 times that many people come back from the enemy side. And they are coming and they're ready to take you out. Yeah. Like, and so they start to hide in all sorts of places. Mm-hmm. How would you feel? I would be terrified. I think it's a great word. Yeah. <laughs> pick, pick another one. Horrified. Petrified. Petrified. Scared. Yeah. Yeah, I would also run and I would just leave, I think. And that's what the people are starting to do, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're hiding in holes in the ground, in caves. They're running. Now let's continue. Okay. <laughs> Verse 7, halfway through. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened... All right, pause there for a quick sec. Before we go any further... I know I keep interrupting you, Beck. I'm sorry. What's what's happening here? Yeah, Um. I think at the first reading, if you don't have context or understanding, you might just think Saul's saying, oh, I just want to offer an offering. But it's actually far deeper than that because uh, Saul was waiting. He'd been told to wait. It said the time set by Samuel. Samuel, the prophet of God, um, was the one who was supposed to offer the offering as, as a priest in the priestly service. And so Saul is to wait for him to come. And Saul's waiting and waiting and waiting and Samuel's not come. And so Saul says, ah, well, Samuel's not here. I'm just going to do it. I'm okay. take it upon myself to do this. Okay, so, so first of all, Samuel is the one who's in the position to do this. Yeah. Saul is not. Mm-hmm. But why is Saul doing this? It says that the people are trembling. Yeah. And the people are not only trembling, what are they doing? It says that they are scattered from before him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is, so paint this picture in your mind. Saul's here. He's got a small amount of soldiers in comparison to the enemy army. Yeah. This looks bad. And not only that, when the enemy army comes, there are people fleeing. And not only that, God has instructed him through Samuel, the prophet, to wait. Mm -hmm. Don't go to battle yet. And they're waiting. Now, the time prescribed was seven days, we find out. And for seven days, they're waiting. But each day that they're waiting... What's going on with the army? Like in my mind, I can picture: are are there more soldiers coming? Did the number not start at you know thirty thousand chariots? Because they had they didn't all arrive at once. Yeah. Let's let's put that in our minds. It probably took a while to get thirty thousand chariots. Like I grew up in Southern California, gridlock traffic in L.A. has more than thirty thousand cars, but they don't get there all at once. Yeah, right. 
it builds up and then it stops. And so I imagine that this took quite a time. Yeah. And these soldiers are amassing against them. And as this is happening, the people are getting afraid. And also in this time, as we think about it, it wasn't like today where you can message someone, you can ring, you can shoot off an email, something to say, hey, bro, where are you? Like he can't, he doesn't do that to Samuel. Samuel's not there and he's just waiting. And it's kind of like, has something happened? Has he tripped? Has he fallen? Has he been attacked? Because Samuel's old, in case anyone didn't get the the, the connection there. What has happened? Where is Samuel? And so he said he's going to be here, but to this point, he hasn't arrived. Okay, so Saul's in a position where his army's now starting to leave and he has a question before him do i wait and obey god's instructions or do i take matters into my own hand do it my way so that i can keep things rolling the way i think they need to go and this is at the heart of the matter does saul as the leader of this nation of israel really trust in god enough to wait for god to do what god says he's going to do and at this point in the story, Saul does not do that. Yeah. He looks at the circumstances and he says, oh no, the people are leaving. Samuel's not here. I've waited the time. And you're going to find out. Let's read the next verse because he, he didn't wait a long time mm-hmm. past when Samuel was supposed to arrive. Yeah. Verse 10. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Okay. So as soon as he's done this, so it sounds like, hey, Samuel's supposed to be here now. He's not here. We've waited long enough. Everybody's leaving. I'm taking matters into my own hands, and I'm actually going to go against God's direct command in order to try and get God's blessing, and then we're going to go and we're going to do what we're going to do. Yeah. And at this point, he's done this. He thinks everything's sweet, and then here comes Samuel. Mm -hmm. Now, we're going to try and get through the rest of this section up through verse uh, verse 15 before we go to the radio break. But keep that in your mind. Mm-hmm. The issue at hand is an issue of do I trust God enough to do it his way or am I going to take matters into my own hands by disobeying God? Mm-hmm. Do I accomplish God's purpose by disobedience to God? Let's read him. Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him and Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgah to Gibeah of Benjamin. And Saul numbered the people present with him about 600 men. Okay, so think about this. How many men did Saul start with? 3,000. How many men did he end with? 600. 600. He's lost 80% of his army. Mm. I can see why. Like, like, like one of the things that we often don't do when we read these stories is put ourselves in the shoes of the person who's just made this big mistake. I can see and understand why he would be concerned. But what's amazing is that Samuel doesn't come in and pat him on the back and say, oh, it's okay. Uh, that was, I'm sorry that, you know, that's fine. No, he doesn't. He comes in and he says, hey, look, 
you're in a position of leadership. Yeah. What you don't understand is that in a position of leadership, everyone looks to you as the example. They look to you as the example of the standard. And you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. Your responsibility in this position as the king of Israel is to be faithful to God. Because God's big enough to do this. God rescued two million odd Israelites from slavery in Egypt and when they had an army behind them and no weapons and no army themselves and an ocean behind them, he split the ocean and walked them through and took care of the enemy situation. And that's what a leader is supposed to do is trust God. This is all sons and daughters. Oh, how I need you. I find you in the seeking, Lord, I find you in the doubt and to know you is to love you and to know so little else I need you. Oh, how I need you. Oh, how I need you. Oh, how I need
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. And uh, just before we get back into our Bible study on Samuel and Saul, just want to do another shameless plug for Question of the Week. Yes. Um, and uh, what we've got today is we've got a pr- another prize for our second caller in for Question of the Week. So if you've got any Bible questions or questions about God, etc., we'd love to hear them, and you can send those in. But before I tell you how to do that, you might want to know what the prize is. So the prize is a DVD called Tell the World, and this is what it says on the back of the DVD. So just, I'm going to put on my best movie voice here. The correct equations, but the wrong interpretation. The result was sadness, pain, and discouragement. That's how the story of the Seventh-day Adventist Church begins. Tell the World tells the compelling story of the beginning of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I love that. That's, I thought that was pretty good. Very so good. if you'd like to know about that. It's actually, it's actually a very powerful story. There was a lot of stuff that took place not only in America at the time, which is where this story takes place, but across the world, there was a great awakening, you might call it, a religious revival that was taking place, and people were getting into Scripture, and passages of Scripture, particularly prophecies, the prophecies of Daniel, became very much studied, and they hadn't really been studied or, you know, no commentaries had been written on Daniel for a thousand years, basically. Mm-hmm. And at this time, all over the world, pockets of people were starting to see and understand prophecies from the book of Daniel. And this was leading people to great revival, to getting to know Jesus in a very powerful and profound way. And this is actually a part of the story of how this church particularly was was birthed, but also just, you know, a great religious awakening that was taking place at that time. So yeah. if you'd like to know about that, it's a great film. I've seen it myself. Uh, you can do so by sending in your Bible questions to... 1-800-324-843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or you can text in at 0491-064-669, that's 0491-064-669, or hit us up on our Faith FM Facebook page. All right, so we've just finished up with Samuel thirteen fifteen, and the closing thought there was really that the, pro- the problem is when you're in a position of leadership, and we, we were talking about this a bit off the air, the Bible talks about leadership as a very important position, but one that should not be entered upon lightly, or more importantly, should not be entered upon for selfish gain. Paul talks about, sorry, James talks about in uh, James chapter 2, he says, not many of you should wish to be teachers, my brothers. He says, because do you not know that we who teach will be judged more harshly? Right. So when you're in a position of leadership, you have greater responsibility because you know there, there's a truth. If I, if I believe something that's true, I'm going to naturally tell people things that are true. If I believe something that's false, I'm going, to, I'm going to actually deceive people even though I think I'm telling them the right thing. So when you're in a position of leadership, people do look to you and they can often use you as the excuse for doing the wrong thing when you don't set a good example. So Saul had a, a pretty serious role here. It's not, it's, you know, being in a position of leadership is not something we should all necessarily aspire to. But we should be aspiring to be faithful in whatever position we are in. Yeah, and that's what definitely. equips us to be good leaders. And I think with that, like if God has called you to a position, if he, he has called you to leadership, he places that burden on you, he will bring you through it if you put totally. your faith on him, you know, and you put your trust in him. But it reminds me as well um, of Jesus and the Pharisees and how the religious leaders, um, these were the group of Pharisees and, the, and Sadducees and um, different names for them and they're religious leaders in Jesus' time. And they basically, the saying with them is do as I say but not as I do because they said things um, very got to be very godly and then they acted in very unloving and unkind ways towards people and didn't even do the things that they were expounding. 
And so I think the the other side of this is that yeah, it's really important not just for leadership what we what we say, but what people see you do. And so it might be in some sometimes and it seems to be an unheavy a heavy unfair burden, um, but that God you need God's grace to be able to actually do the things um, so that it's an example to people and the people are actually blessed as opposed to drawn away by the things that you're doing as a leader. Mm, great points. Great points. All right, so let's keep reading then. Yes. We're going we're gonna to flash through because we've got another chapter we're going to go through and this one basically in its entirety. So we're going to turn now to 1 Samuel 15 because what we read here is not, is not that this was the only time Saul did this. Saul started off really good, right? He started off leading from the front, mm-hmm. being in a position where he's putting himself on the line. Uh, when they, there were people who were rebellious against him, he was offering mercy to these people. He wasn't trying to, to gain benefit for himself. He was attributing the glory to God who had won the battle for them. But now we're starting to see a bit of a change of character, right? He's now starting to take things into his own hands with this story. And then in the next couple of chapters, he starts making rash oaths about what he's going to do to people who are disobeying, and he's, he's starting to get into some different territory, and you're starting to see some more tyrannical uh, behaviors coming out in his life. And then we come to another battle scene. Now, this story is, is one of more, the most difficult passages, really, in the Old Testament. So there are some things to grapple with here, but we're going to read through this, and we're going to try and gather some things out of this, but just words to the wise here, this there's going to be some challenging stuff in this chapter. Mm-hmm. So let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 15, and let's start from verse 1. Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them. But kill both man and woman, infant and nursing child, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them in Telaim, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to a city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Then Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get down from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. All right, let's pause there. So this is a full-on section of Scripture. Mm. And, and I just I don't want to just gloss over this in the sense that there are passages of Scripture that are not easily explained. Yeah. This is one of those passages. And you'll find that scholars will debate this passage left, right, and center. And basically what's going on here is that there was a group called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites have a bit of a history with Israel that we're going to talk about in a moment. But at this point in the story, Samuel is is instructed by God to go and speak to Saul and say, hey, it's time for you to go to battle against the Amalekites. And God gives a very strange, something that doesn't happen that often in Scripture. It only happens a few times. And he says, I want you to go in and I want you to take out the Amalekites, this group of people that's doing these horrific things. And I want you to take everybody out. I don't want you to leave anyone left of this entire people group. This is full on. Yeah. And this is not something that happens often. And it's a challenging piece of scripture. But one thing that I want to highlight from here is that the Amalekites had a bit of a history. And the first time that we see them show up in scripture is when Moses is leading the Israelites out of Egypt. This is a group of people who has no soldiers, 
No trained army. They're one to two million strong in number. They've been slaves for hundreds of years. They have no way to protect themselves. They don't know, you know, their their elbow from a hole in the ground, right? Like they're they they don't know how to do anything. Yeah. And when they're traveling through, the Amalekites actually come as a people group, and they attack the weakest of the Israelites, who are unarmed, untrained, don't have any ability, and they're just they're literally trying to pass through as refugees. And at this point in time. There's a prophecy that basically is given, a judgment that God gives, and he says, hey, there's going to come a time when the Amalekites will be utterly destroyed. Mm-hmm. And what we see here is that this is happening. Now, it's, it's interesting to note that the Amalekites were a group of people who would raid others, uh, other peoples, and they would come in and they would, they would wreak havoc on people. And so this doesn't necessarily make it easy for us to understand this, and we may not have all of the understanding or the reasons why God did this, but... This was the command that God had given in yeah. this particular instance. And so what's interesting to note is that Saul and all of his army is in agreement with the command of God, and they accept it wholeheartedly. All right, that's what we're going to do. God's made the command. We're going to go. We're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And when they come in, it's not only that they're about to do this, but they even go to the people, the Kenites, who had been kind and not taken advantage or abused or victimized this people group. And they say, hey, you guys, you're free. If you want to go out now, you're right. Mm-hmm. You will be free. You'll be saved. But this other group, judgment has come, right? Yeah. And so that's what happens. The Kenites leave, and then we're going to continue on the story. Mm-hmm. So let's keep reading from verse, I think, 7. And Saul attacked the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, which is east of Egypt. He also took Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag, and the, beast, the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them. But everything despised and worthless, that they utterly destroyed. Okay, so check this out. They signed up for this, and they said, we're going to do exactly what God says. This, we're, we're on it. And what do they actually do? Yeah, they, don't, they, they do a partial thing. They do a partial thing. And the thing with that is that something I really note is, it says they were unwilling to do Basically, they were unwilling. They saw the spoil or they saw the booty that was there and they were like, this is, I want this. We want this. And it says they, everything that was worthless and not really useful, they destroyed it, but everything else they kept. So take note. This is right. This is, this is powerful. They go in and they take everybody out except for the king because they want some sort of glory out of this. They want some sort of, they want something out of this. And not only that, they, they don't take out all of the livestock, which they were also instructed to take, because this is worth a lot of coin. And in the Middle East, this is, this is wealth. And so what they've done is they've, they've t- followed the instructions, and the people are gone. But they're not willing to sacrifice the things that count for money for them. And this is the problem. Yeah. This reveals the heart of Saul in this matter. It's not about obedience to God in this instance. It's about partial obedience and then gaining glory and riches for himself and his people, right? Because they got rid of everything that they didn't see value in, but the things that they wanted, they took. Yeah. This becomes a major problem Mm -hmm. because it's not about following God anymore. It's now about following God where it's convenient and not following God where it's inconvenient. And in fact, fully disobeying God, even though they had said that they would, not on grounds of, I have a moral complaint about this, not on other grounds. No, no, no. The grounds were, 
I want this thing for my own selfish interest. And in that point, he is totally deviated from the character of God. Yeah. This is powerful and profound. Now, Samuel is sitting at home at this point in time, and God speaks to Samuel some of the saddest words in Scripture. So let's keep reading. Mm -hmm. Verse 10. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. Okay, hold on. Say that again. I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. One more time. One more time. With with gusto this time. (laughs) I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. This reminds me of a passage in Genesis chapter 6, right before the flood, where it says that all the thoughts of man, all the intentions of his heart were only evil all the time. And it's at this point that God says, it says that God was sorrowful. He was sorry that he had created mankind upon the earth. And I don't believe from memory that there's anywhere in between that story and this one where he says something quite like this. He says, not only do I regret making Saul king, he says, I greatly regret putting Saul in this position. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show that this is serious because Saul's actually leading the people away from God. Yeah. This is the responsibility that he is failing in mm-hmm. and it's having major consequences. All right, let's keep reading. Sorry. We're partway through verse seven. Turned back from oh, following no, ten. me. <laughs> I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandment. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. So when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself, and he has gone on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? I think that that is one of the most funny responses in all of scripture. He's like, look, Samuel, you've arrived. Blessed of the Lord. I have obeyed all of God's commands. And saw Samuel's response is, oh, oh, then what is this bleating of sheep that I hear? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, <laughs> it is the weirdest response. It's so, I think... You're not laughing, Beck. I think it's pretty funny. I was laughing, but I didn't know if I was supposed to laugh on radio. <laughs> You're allowed to laugh. It's okay. It's okay, right? What is this bleating of sheep that I hear? And what's very, what I find super interesting about this section is Saul's delusion. Saul is totally deluded in thinking and proclaiming to others, hey, I've done everything right. And I wonder if he kind of just knew that he hadn't actually obeyed God's commands and then was looking for verification from Samuel. Because if he can get Samuel's approval, who's God's representative, he can justify his behavior. This is an intense scene, and we're going to see what happens when we come back from the break. This is Colin Buchanan, God of Wonders. Lord of all creation Water, earth, and sky The heavens are your sanctuary Glory to the Lord on high God of wonders beyond our galaxy You are holy, holy Universe declares your majesty. You are holy, 
Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio. And uh, we just want to do one more plug. This is our last Bible study section before we, after our next break, we're going to come back for question of the week, which is just a great opportunity to uh, dive into your questions. And uh, we have one question, one caller in who's one. By the way, do we have the name for that that winner? Producer Liam? Oh, yeah. I can't read from here, bro. You got to just yell it. Moggy. Moggy. Awesome. So we want to just congratulate you, Margie. Thank you for your question. We're going to get to that after the next break. When we get to our question of the week section, I'm super excited about your question in particular. It's a topic that I'm personally, I personally am quite interested in. So super excited about that. And um, do you want to tell them a little bit about what the prize is? Our next caller in, if we get another caller in before... Before the question of the week time, you're going to get a prize as well when the yes. prize is? It's a DVD called Tell the World, and it's basically telling the story of how did the Adventist church start and also how what was the spiritual sort of uh, awakening that happened during that time around the world, actually, that happened, which is really cool because it's finding out historically how did church revival sort of start to happen. And, um, yeah, that's the DVD that you're going to get. If you call in. Awesome. So we want to encourage you to call in with any Bible questions, any spiritual questions, anything. 
go for it. Yes. It doesn't have to be on today's topic. It can be on whatever's pressing on your heart's desire. So you can call us on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Text us on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Or you can go to our Facebook page, Faith FM Australia. Awesome. And Liam is chomping on the bit on those phones waiting for that. So He's also chomping on some Nutrigrain. Yeah, because it was half price at Woolworths, everyone. Get on to it. All right, back into the Bible study. So... But uh, that's not going to be true if this is aired at a later date. But if you're listening live, that'll be true today, I think. <laughs> all right, so back into the story. So Saul, Saul says, hey, I've, I've, I've kept all the commandments of God. Look what I've done. Mm. And Samuel says, well, what then is this bleating of sheep that I hear? And it, it sounds so funny. But what he's saying is, hang on a second. You haven't obeyed the commandment of God fully. You've actually kept something for yourself. And notice that God had said to Samuel, And Samuel's response was to cry all night in sorrow for what was going on with this young man that he'd anointed as the king of Israel, that he was entrusting Israel to, who's now misleading the people. And what's going on here is that he was saying, you've kept something for yourself. And not only that, he built a monument to who? Not to God for God's victory. He built a monument to himself. Mm. Do you see that? It's about a self-aggrandizement, self-building up of his own ego. It's no longer about recognizing the reality that it was God who brought victory. It was believing that he was the one who was saving Israel. And as soon as he does this, does this he starts to worship himself in essence. So let's keep reading. Verse 15, And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. So Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission. And said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me, and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder sheep and oxen the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. All right, let's pause there. So what's happening? What's this conversation? It's basically a conversation, and it seems the blame game to me. Um, seems very sort of in essence of what happened in Genesis, where everyone's blaming somebody else, mm. the snake, the woman, the, the husband maybe. It just everything seems to be blamed. Um, no personal responsibility. And although he might have been swept away by the people or things that were said, um, it just remains that he was the leader. He was the king. He wasn't just someone who was just someone partway through, up the ladder, up the rung. He was the top. He was the head. And it was him. He's the one who needs to make the call. And he didn't do that. Fully. Now think about this. How many soldiers were left before we saw him go into battle? On 600. Oh, that was the last story, wasn't it? Oh, that was the last story. Sorry, I'm, I'm mixing up my numbers here. My bad. Never mind. Forget moot point. Moving on. But you're right. He says, and, and it's, it's actually telling in his words because he says, he says, they took of the best things which should have been utterly destroyed. Yeah. Saul knows. Mm-hmm. And Saul's responsible. 
because he's the one who has control over the army. God's just won a great victory and he's not fully obeyed, but he's doing this. And not only that, he's as a leader, he's blaming his people for his fault. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Yeah. That's not great leadership. That's convicting for me. Like when do I do that in a leadership position? Am I blaming people for my fault? Because we shouldn't do that. We should accept responsibility for the things that are responsibility, that are our responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so he's going in this position. Now he's shifting the blame to his people. I kept all the commandments of God. When he says, no, he didn't. He says, no, 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 that was the people. And check out Samuel's response in verse 22 and 23. And this is the crux of the whole study today. Yeah, yeah. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Boom. It's such an important point that he says it in three different ways in two paragraphs, right? He says, he says, has the Lord as great of delight in burnt offerings as he does in obedience, right? And the implicit answer is no. Obedience is far more important than sacrifice. And in fact, now that I think about this, Jesus' sacrifice is done in obedience. That's why his sacrifice is so meaningful and so, so beautiful is because he does it in total obedience to God in full faith and he does this, wow, that's a great theological point. Anyway, sorry, I don't know if I have time to explain that right now, but that's incredible. That's mind-blowing. And then he says a second time, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And then he says a third time, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, right? Witchcraft was considered to be one of the most heinous sins. It was outlawed, so you got the death penalty. That's right. Yeah. Okay, and he says, stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. He says, look, look, bro, it would have been better for you to obey and have nothing to give to God. That would have been better than to sacrifice something that was outside of what God had called for. Mm. And, you know, sometimes we do this. Yeah. And I think we'll talk about this more when we get into our application section. But the reality is there are times when we do this ourselves, where we justify behaviors that we know are not right. Mm -hmm. I know I've done it. And I know many people around me I've seen do it, where we do things that are not right and we justify it by saying, well, I'll give this to God or I'll do this or I'll do... That's not what God's interested in. God doesn't want you to do the wrong thing and then give him some money for it. The money all, is all belongs to God anyway, right? Like God is not in need of these things. What he wants is he wants a relationship where we are fully, faithfully trusting in God and responding to him. Yeah. That's what he wants because he doesn't want the things. He can make things by speaking. He wants you. Yeah. He wants you, fully surrendered you. And that's where he brings the point. He says he wants our heart. And so he wanted Saul's heart. He changed Saul's heart. And Saul could have stayed with him if he stayed in relationship with God. Um, and so God, yeah, that's just such a good point that God wants us. He wants our heart. And it's not the things that we do in terms of the obedience that that's the thing that pleases him. It's us giving him our heart. And by doing that, we will follow and do those things. Totally. Oh, man. There's so much more that we could do in this study, but let's, let's read the next couple of verses. Uh, let's read through verse 26 before we go to a break. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. 
Awesome. And we're going to continue that on maybe a little bit after question of the week if we've got a bit of time. We may have to cut our Bible study a little short. and If we do, we'll tell you to read it at home. But this is profound. There, there were consequences. Now, this doesn't mean that necessarily that Saul is past the point of no return with terms of repentance. But what, what's really interesting here is that he's now rejected as king. Now, he lives out the rest of his life as king, which we'll find out in David's story. But often, there are still consequences to our, to our actions. And he could still be forgiven, but it did not mean that he would still be king in this instance. This is Daywind Singers, It Is Well With My Soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way And when sorrows like sea billows they roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is well with my soul Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM, and it has come to that great and wonderful time of the show for question, question of the week. I love it. All right, so we've got Do you got love a, it because it's your voice? Oh, no, that's a little narcissistic. <laughs> that, that might I be true. I actually just really like the groove. <laughs> I, I really like the groove. So we've got a question, and the question is from Margie. 
And that question is, I can't remember how it's worded exactly, but first of all, thank you, Margie, for sending yeah, the question. Yeah, thank in. you. And the question was to do with Jesus's position as God and also as the Son of God, right? So the question here is, uh, I t- okay, so, yeah, you say it, Miriam, you say it. We're we're super unprofessional today. Sorry. No, look, these things happen. The question that Margie has sent in is. How do I tell a friend that Jesus is God? Uh, she believes that he is the son only. That's a, such a great question. By the way, we should have you ask that question every week. I don't, I don't know why we've never thought of this before. It. Okay, so the question is, if you've got a friend, so, so Margie has a friend who's, who believes that Jesus is the son of God, but doesn't understand how that fits into the picture of Jesus being divine. Jesus being God. And Margie, it's a, it's a fantastic question. And there are many places we could look at in Scripture. But I think we're going to look at probably about three places. And the first that we're going to go to is the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and a couple of other verses, 14 and 17. And so when you turn to the Gospel of John, there's this amazing picture that is painted here. And John uses some very interesting words. And in fact, when you first read the wording, it sounds a really it sounds a little odd until you realize what he's making sure he's communicating. And it says this. It says, "In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." Okay, point number 1. The word was at the beginning. Right, So this is harking, harkening back to Genesis chapter 1, the creation story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, etc. So it's saying the, the word was present there. We're going to find out who the word is in a moment. But notice that he was with God and also God. Point number one. Point number two, it says he was in the beginning with God. So just to make sure that you know, it's with and also he is. John's emphasizing this yet again. All right, so in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word is God twice. The Word is with God twice. So far, just two verses. And then this is the, this is the crux right here. It says, all things were made through Him. That is the Word. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. And this is what he's saying. Like you might read that and think, this is really odd. Nothing was made that was made. That seems a little redundant. Why is he repeating himself? And the point is this. He says every single thing that was made was made by the word, right? That means that he was not made. Do you see the connection there? Yeah. So who is this word? Who is this word that is God, is with God, that made all things Everything that has ever been made was made by the Word, which means that the Word could not have been made himself. I hope that's not getting too philosophical or confusing. And then the question next naturally is, who is the Word? And in verse 14 it says, and the Word became flesh mm-hmm. and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then we come down to verse 17 and it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so the point here in this verse, in this passage, is that John is painting a very clear picture. Jesus is the word. So let's go back through that, inserting Jesus where it says word. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Jesus was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Jesus, and without Jesus, 
Nothing was made that was made. Mm-hmm. Jesus was not made. This is what qualifies him as God because the only things that are not created is God himself. And so you have the Father, you have the Son, you have the Spirit, all present in the creation story. And John goes through right here in chapter one, he says, Jesus is the word that's being spoken that brings life into existence in Genesis one. This is Jesus. He's with God and he is God. Now, if that was the only passage in scripture, it'd be a little harder to defend, even though that's an incredibly plain passage of scripture. And if you throw out John, you throw out the gospel of John, you throw out 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation, right? Because John wrote all of those things and he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. So John's testimony here is powerful. But there are a couple of other places. Which one do you have for us there, Beck? Do you want to get Psalm, uh, Psalm 110, was it? Yes. And we're also going to look at Hebrews chapter 1, which I started quoting last week for a different question and I had it wrong. <laughs> But it's right this week. So we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 1. And in Hebrews chapter 1, is that that how much time we've got? All right. Is that for the end of the show? Oh, just for question of the week. That's good. All right. Sorry for a little, little, we broke the fourth wall there of the cinema rules. Um, In Hebrews chapter 1, it also goes on to say, Margie, that God is speaking and he's speaking to the angels and then he's speaking to the Son, referring to Jesus. So in Hebrews 1 verse 8, it says, but to the Son, he says, and in the context, it's God who's speaking from the prior verses. And God says to Jesus, to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. So God is speaking to the Son of God, to Jesus, and he says, God. He addresses him with the title God, and he does it a couple of times. It then goes on, and in the next verse, verse 10, he continues and says that God also says, and you, Lord, speaking to Jesus, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. And then he goes on to say some more things. Um, But the point here is that God is speaking to Jesus and he calls him God and he calls him Lord. And so this is another verification that God the Father is referring to God the Son as God. There's one other passage we'll look at that Jesus himself quotes referring to himself and that is Psalm 110 verse one, is it I think? Yeah. So go for it, Beck. The Bible reads, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Awesome. And we spoke about that one last week. And and Jesus himself quotes this when he's referring to David in Matthew chapter 22. And they're saying, well, he he asked them a question. He says, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is the Christ? And then they say, oh, the, the Christ, the Messiah is the son of David. And then Jesus says, well, then how does David in the spirit, meaning inspired by the Holy Spirit in the holy word of scripture, call the Messiah Lord? And then he quotes where it says in the psalm that David wrote, the Lord, speaking of Yahweh, the God of Israel, said to my Lord, referring to the Messiah, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies a footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And this refers to Jesus being the son of God as well as being the Lord God himself. Yeah. So I hope that that's helpful to you. There are many other things that we could look at. I just had one thing to add Mm. from that. Um, 
which is something that sometimes people have as a, tr- as a tricky thing. And they wonder, well, it says Jesus is the firstborn. How is Jesus firstborn um, if he's not actually born? And so I wanted to read that in Colossians 1 um, verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. And so looking at firstborn, what it means here, and and we can look, see throughout scripture, there are groups of people who are taken as the firstborn, but they're not actually the firstborn. We think of the Levites, we think of um, different people who are called the firstborn, but it wasn't because they were actually the firstborn, but it was positional positional where they Mm. were. And so here we see that Jesus is called the firstborn over creation, but not because he was the first birthed, because positionally he is the one who has control. And so it says he is the head and he's the one that has that position. And so he's given that title um, as opposed to being birthed from God. And I think that that's something that a question that people can have sometimes. Totally. So I pray that that's very helpful to you, Margie, and, and helps you to be able to express some of these truths about who Jesus is and the divinity of Jesus to your friend. And, um, also, if, if you're wanting any, if anyone wants any more research, there are a couple of great books on this particular topic. One of them is a book called God Crucified by a man named Richard Bauckham. It's about 100 pages long. It's not a super long book. It's a bit academic, so that may or may not be up your alley. But God Crucified by Richard Bauckham, which is uh, the subtitles Monotheism and Christology uh, in the New in the New Testament. Um, and the other one is a book by uh, a Seventh-day Adventist minister, and his name is Ty Gibson, and the book is called The Sonship of Christ, Exploring the Covenant Identity of God. So those two books, again, were God Crucified by Richard Bauckham and The Sonship of Christ by Ty Gibson. I'd, I'd highly recommend both those books um, if you're interested in looking further into that topic. So thank you again for your question. And uh, just a reminder, guys, you don't have to wait until next radio show. If you have Bible questions that come up during the week, you can text those in at any time. Just address them to the Real Faith team, and you can send those in via the normal text line, 0491-064-669, and we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for your questions. This next track is The Lesser Light Collective, Boys in Babylon. of God in Babylon. serve God 
in Babylon. All the boys in Babylon and them were playing hooky. Ashpenaz chose them because they were all good looking. All of them remembering their mother's good cooking as, as they, they thought, thought about, about the food and wine the Babylonians, Babylonians ate. Daniel made his mind up he would not defile his body. Seeking out permission from the chief who thought it odd. He said I could lose my head but Daniel said then you can watch me. And, and he asked for ten days with only veggies on his plate. Trial soon over and they made evaluation. Daniel and his band would represent the Hebrew nation. Judges all agreed they made a finer presentation. They, they were handsomer, handsomer and smarter than, than the other boys at school. Think about the story now and let it be a learning. You think rejection's coming yet it's true respect you're earning. But ultimately favor of our God the greatest yearning. And, and hearing, hearing his well done who really cares about what's cool. Serve God in Babylon. Daniel, Daniel, you fool. We serve God in Babylon. Daniel, Daniel, what's cool? I serve God in Babylon. Daniel, Daniel. serve God in Babylon. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. We've come towards the end of the show, our last few minutes here, and um, we're going to draw some applications because the point of this show always was, what can we draw from these Bible studies into our real life? Yeah. Um, so, so what are some lessons that we can draw out of this? Go for it, Beck. Is there anything that you'd like to share first? Yeah, maybe something that's different to what we talked about or just just slightly on the side is that Saul took things into his own hands and he thought something was better or he thought it would be it would serve him better and he took it into his own hands and sometimes he he put the persuasion that he was doing it for God he said oh we're going to offer sacrifices these things are we're going to use these for sacrifices but he really wanted them for other gain and even if they were sacrifices that's not what God asked and mm. so Sometimes when we do that, I just want us to think in our own lives. It it's it is really a thought, um, a sobering thought to think when we do things. What is the character behind what we do, and why are we doing them? Um, maybe if we don't have the right intent, ask God to change our hearts. Um, but also, God never asks us to do something that we're sacrificing or we're, we're choosing to offer Him, and that means breaking His laws. And so He's he would never cause us to go against his word. He says, if you go against my word, you're not following me. And so I in think fact, we that's... rationalize things sometimes mm. by doing that. Um, and yeah, we're not to do that. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to, I interrupted. But I was just gonna say, in fact, that's actually one of the very tests in Deuteronomy 13 that God gives to know if someone is a true prophet from God or not. Mm -hmm. He says, if they come to you and they foretell future events even, and that's all coming true, but they lead you away from the God who has already been revealed to you, leading them out of Egypt. He says they're not a real prophet from God. They're yeah. a false prophet. Mm -hmm. They're they're working this by a different spirit, not God's spirit. Yeah. And I think that's a really profound point that you're making there, Beck. Um, something else that I think is a really powerful point out of this, and we've we've harped on about this a little bit, but I want to harp on about it a little more. Um, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Whenever whenever we think about what is it that God's asking of us in our lives and we have a, a, an opportunity before us where we say, well, if I disobey God's moral commandments, but it's going to be doing so many great things for God, then the answer is obey God. Even if that looks like it means I'm not going to get the great outcomes, 
remember that it's not about you doing things. It's about trusting in God to do the things that he says he will do. And when you look at the story in the first one, I mean, Saul's issue was that he he was waiting for God, but he he wasn't willing to wait for God. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah. he waited, but he wasn't willing to really wait mm-hmm. when it became challenging. Mm-hmm. And he took things into his own hands. And then we see that repeated, but but I guess which is another point is that if you want your faith to grow and your relationship with God to get stronger or weaker, it will happen by your daily choices, right? Saul began to choose a path of disobedience and that path led to greater and greater and greater disobedience. And we're going to find out as we study David that he even got to the point where he was chasing someone down to murder them who was his own faithful servant. Yeah. That he was doing horrific things, that he went and pursued uh, not only, you know, when he, when, when he found that he was not able to, mm-hmm. to have God's insight given to him, that he would go and pursue satanic insight, right? Mm-hmm. Insight from other things that God had already denied um, and disobeyed uh, and, and had, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anyway, said we're not to be done. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. I had one final point, which was looking at Saul and the problem that he did where he did the sacrifice and he was panicking. And so he just did the sacrifice because he says, oh, I felt compelled because Samuel wasn't here. But the thing is, it was it was never a problem of him coming to God or him seeking God or him asking of God. It was the manner in which he did it because he was thinking that that thing as well would save him. If I just do the thing, that thing's going to save me. So I've not done what God's asked me but if I do the devotion if I do this thing that's I'm, I'm going to be right with God and God says it's never about that it's about the heart and I that's think that legalism that's, that's the point you know <laughs> yeah it's never the thing it's the heart of the matter and I think that that's what we're going to be drawing out as we look going to David um, it's such an important thing where is your heart sitting with God and we always make mistakes not saying we can't ask for forgiveness or repentance but that when it comes to the point of things we need to be spending that time with God so that our heart is following him and in tune with him totally oh i love the point that you just drew out there it's so profound because his point was that his own merits were going to warrant god's salvation Mm -hmm. rather than waiting on god to do what god said he would do and believing and trusting and waiting and being faithful and and i think that's a profound point because oh i don't want to get started on that subject but i think it's a really profound point Mm -hmm. um it's about trusting in god and that's what obedience is and sometimes sometimes we all have a tendency to arc up when we hear the word obedience we think that that means something negative or tyrannical but it doesn't because what god's doing is he's saying you've got free will to choose to obey that's a free will choice just as much as disobedience is a free will choice so when god says this is the way walk in it when we choose to obey guess what you did that out of freedom out of free will and I believe that God's plans and God's ways are bigger and higher than our ways. Yeah. And that when we choose to follow in the path that he has chosen for us, we will experience the greatest peace, the greatest liberty that we could ever imagine. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you guys, remember, sacrifice is not as great as obedience. And um, respond to God's call in your life today. We pray that God will bless you and keep you as you continue to seek to follow him. And remember that real faith is, is lived, lived faith. faith.